Welcome to the Truth Hoops podcast. Today, we're diving into the broken economics of the NBA. We're talking yeah. about player development, trading players, the G League, everything in between. Why we think the NBA could do better. We're NBA fans, by the way. As I wear a G League hat doing this podcast, <laughs> I'm a big NBA fan. I just wish I want things I like to do well. And so here's my take on player development. Some things I said on Twitter that might have pissed some people off. So I want to get some detail of that. And Shane and I go back and forth on what we would do for player development and why we think the system's kind of broken right now. Shane, welcome back from your lovely vacation. Yep, I'm back. Back from the mountains. Skin tan, his hair, hair's long kind of deal. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. While you're gone, though, I was kind of uh, stirring up the old hornet's nest on Twitter. I yeah, that's hear, what I'm hearing. I want to hear your thoughts on this. I have a a strong opinion on how the NBA values player development. I don't think they do. That's kind of the initial storyline. Yeah. And I want to hear what your thoughts thoughts are on about it. But I'll give you some numbers before we go into it. All right. We'll break this down step by step for some fun Let's for you it. listeners. Because you listeners are going to hear that like, oh, they care about players. Oh, and you might be a strength coach in the NBA team. You're like, well, I care. I don't say you don't care. <laughs> I'm yeah. saying the organizations don't care. And let me, right. there's one thing that's very quantifiable. And the old, the great little Wayne said it, money talks and bullshit mm-hmm. walks, right? So let's just break down the numbers team. I'll save my last tweet for the end because I think it kind of summarizes it. An NBA team has a salary cap of basic, it is $124 million a year. And my guess is their average spend is less than 2%. So 2% being 2.48 million a year. I think that's a pretty fair assumption. Average spend on their performance staff, that is. Just on like, you know, skills coaches and strength coaches. Not their head coach and assistant coaches. That's technical, tactical. Just Mm -hmm. the guys who work with players to make them better. In a game, there are 240 playable minutes. That's 48 minutes distributed between five players on the court at a time. So you can allocate those 240 minutes however you want. In a season, there are 82 games. In total, there are 19,680 playable minutes in a year. So we have 124 million. We divide that by possible minutes played, and that puts us at a roughly a league spend at $6,300 per minute. On the of, of when on the court, they're basically paying because the salary cap divided by minutes playable, it's six thousand three hundred dollars per minute, which means if you pay your performance staff, which is very generous by the way, to say they're paying their performance staff two point four eight million dollars, yeah, I think it's probably less than that. All you have to do to recoup that money is roughly four hundred minutes of playing time, on court time, that you need to get back. So basically, all you need to do is play 400 more minutes than you would have otherwise if that staff didn't exist. Wow. Which which basically shakes out, like if you're Steph Curry, it's like eight games. <laughs> right. It depends on who it is. So you could also argue that the, the players on the bench who don't play are like a sunk cost, economically speaking. So let's just mm. take the starting five. So basically, an average starting lineup is roughly eighty million a year. It really varies. Like the Pistons are like forty-five million, and the Bucks are one hundred and thirty-seven million. Sure, it's like absurd differences. Um, but it looks like the the mode, so the most common reoccurring ones, about seventy-five to eighty-five. So I said eighty million. So roughly sixteen million per starter, 
we can do the same math and say on average, a starter gets paid roughly $200,000 a game. That's the starting group of five people, not one person, mm -hmm. but the five group. So between your five starters, the team would need to make their money back by recuperating a combined 12 games missed between those five players. Hmm. So basically, and again, if you're at 2.48 million allocated to your uh, team for performance staff, I said that's basically an insurance premium. Yeah. <laughs> it's 2%. And Twitter got pissed at me. They're like, oh, you know, but what about this? And what about that? And they, they care about this and they care about their team. It's the money talks. Right. That's what you pay to mitigate. That's not what you pay to grow something. If you right. had an asset. So, yeah, go ahead. Yes, if you had an asset that you thought had a return, like a house, mm -hmm. people go in debt, actually, to recuperate a future return on an asset. Right. They're willing to operate um, at, at least take on initial loss. You'll have an investment knowing that you can recuperate more so in the future. If you just look at the S&P 500, it's a 10% gain on average right? On average. So you're not even assuming you're getting any gain from your staff. It's 2.4% yeah. being allocated there at a recuperation minimum of, of 400 minutes. And if you're paying them at margins of a gain, so like, let's say 10%, 10% of two of 124 million is 12.4 million. And so if you want to operate at like 50% margin, which is massive still, you'd allocate 5.4 million in funds, whatever that is, or even a little bit more than that, 6.2 million in funds to performance staff, knowing you can get another 6.2 million out of it if you had an average 10% yield mm -hmm. on your salary. So what are, what are people saying on Twitter? Where are they arguing? <laughs> I think I hit a nerve with people because it, I think a lot of people liked it. They thought it was really interesting because I don't think it people is interesting. thought about the numbers before. Um, no, I've never thought about it like that either. They, and then I said, they're like, what would you do? And I said, well, I wouldn't travel with half my guys. Like, why are you bringing 14 guys on a road trip? Dude, Wait, I, I, I posted a video of something. It was like a free throw. Somebody break, and it, you, you coming on. And one of the guy on Twitter is like, I was like, what do you see that's wrong on the free throw? Just the shot. And the guy looks, there was a, a tweet that said like, I see like 14 assistant coaches or something like yeah. that. And it was on the Warriors, and I looked, and they're just all in these black polos. There's two rows of coaches, um, and I think it was probably a home game, but so many, so many coaches, and so, I don't know how many they travel with or what the deal is. But So why do you – But I mean, talking about players. Yeah. Odds are most guys don't play more than 10 deep in a game. Right. And if you have 10 players and someone gets hurt, you can sufficiently operate with nine, eight. Bring 11. Yeah. You, like, to think that you need to, and someone gets hurt, they fly people. You can fly them out the next day to go back on the road trip. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's like, that player, they need to get used to the rhythm of travel, the training of travel. They don't play. So they're clearly not good enough to play in the NBA right now. Right. Do you think their limiting factor is whether or not they're used to travel? Used to the travel. Like, what? That's, that's just, that's silly. So they just bring them along. They pay him all this money. They just tug him along and he's not in the gym improving. He's doing nothing. He's just on the road. Or, and they say, and someone tweeted, oh, but they get player development. No, they, they're traveling. Do you really think traveling and trying to leave at 1 a.m. to games is best for your body to develop? And they're like, they're on scout team. 
they don't play live scout no, team. No, they're not practicing like that. They what are you talking that. about? These guys are on road trips. They're not NBA going... players too, though. Like they ain't practicing like a, it's not a college team or a high school team. It, it blew my mind to hear the asymmetry and justification. It's like, you know, when like the a little kid is proven wrong. And they like mm-hmm. just default to making up something like, oh, it's yeah, your they, fault. And like they double down on something else. Yeah. They'll work so hard to justify what they did as opposed to just mm-hmm. admitting that it was their fault. And I find that to be a really weird mindset. Cause when you say these things out loud, the NBA model I've always complained is economically broken. Yeah. Like if I had my performance staff and I pay them 2.48 million, which they don't, by the way. I can tell you that right now, their strength staff and their health staff is not getting paid a combined $2.48 million. No, there's no way. Um, and if they did, if they make one player from a $3 million guy to a $6 million guy, they've doubled mm-hmm. their their value. Well, I have a bunch of things to say about that, I think. Uh, but you think about... Think about um... Think about our guy, Reed Travis, his mm-hmm. transformation as a player coming out of Kentucky. And you and I both know, you know, the his how his contract improved so much basically because of his mobility, is everything that you've done with him has been huge for him. Just being able to like move and jump and be more athletic and then being able to shoot to three and and play off the bounce a little bit more and just stretch it out has just like this it's a fact that that has made him way more money as a player. And that's just the overseas model. Now you talk about NBA money, millions and millions and millions. Um, It's just crazy. And you could take, t- let's say you take those two guys, three guys at the end of the bench and you say, Hey, you're going to stay back home and you're just going to train. You're going to get better. You're going to get more consistent. You're going to get healthy, whatever it is. And think about how much they could actually improve just off of that and not have to worry about traveling because you can literally do that whenever you need to and learn how to travel whenever you need to. It's so stupid. But what's interesting too is there's double layered economics to it in the sense that these assets are tradable. It's not just like a growth factor. Like if you have a good rookie or guys on a a second year guys on a three-year contract, as you saw now, second round draft picks are worth something. People are trading them for players. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. How do you like the, I think the frustrating part is, is like, there's a lot of players that go into the league that are probably could be really good, but like how you get your opportunity or how you improve is just feels so random. Like you just like, you got to be on a a really bad team or you got to have the perfect fit. But I feel like there's a lot of guys that are actually really good and could, you know, provide really good value if given the right development. Um, but like you said, everything, it seems a little bit backwards when it comes to that. And that's the great thing too, is the inverse analysis So people talk about value growth. What about value missed? Mm. So like in the same way, if I were to go to like someone who manages stocks and we bought five stocks from this person and one of them 10 X and the other flopped to zero, the other four, he's still responsible for picking four crap ones. Yeah. And so like, why did that happen? Did you evaluate it wrong? Did you appraise the company wrong? Did you, and this isn't even stock because a stock has a randomness to it where you're not like actively influencing it. It's almost like a garden where one plant grows and the other four died. And you're like, right. yay, look at this plant I grew. Like, did you killed four plants along the yeah, way? The other ones died. How do you know this isn't random that you're just getting good? And so, like you said, 
the, I, I tell my athletes I work with, you pay me to make you more money. Yep. Like that's what you pay me for. And I think in the NBA, no matter how you twist it, people get so mad about it. It just is not the best player development option. It just isn't. It cannot not be. You remember when the G League used to be called the D- the D League, the Development yeah. League, <laughs> which it totally is not. If you've ever gone to even oh, them, but if you ever gone to G League games, it's uh one some of the worst basketball. It's some of the worst basketball because it's like an elevated JUCO, and the shot selection is just terrible, and their coaches like are not. Again, they're probably not getting paid much, so like the development level and their knowledge of how to do that is low. And some of them, I don't even know if they have development staffs or strength people or what it is. But you go to those games and you're like, this is where they send. They just send them down to develop. That's the plan. Is just like yeah. go play in the G League to develop. Yeah, they have defaulted they to chance. the point where it's like we can't develop you, and we think the only way to develop you is by playing. It's like we. It's like almost like a mid right. defeat. It's like we can't develop you in house. Yeah. So by default, we're just Go down gonna, there. We're gonna have you play. It's like it's almost I call it like, almost like a scam almost. Cause you look at Johnny Davis is a great example. Lottery draft mm. pick, seventh overall. He's making buku bucks, seventh or ninth for the Wizards, shooting like four percent, not playing well at all, averaging like four points in the G League, and people are just ripping him. And like, do you really think it's playing in the G League is going to be the guy was a great player at Wisconsin? Is going to be the differentiating factor in his success? Right. I, I tweeted something and said, do you think Johnny Davis's career is going to be dependent on whether or not he plays a road G league game? <laughs> like, is that the, this, is that the defining linchpin in his career is whether or not right. he gets road training games or should you shut him down? Bring him home. You have enough dinero, pay people to play him, play yeah. side action games, work on things, yeah. audit whether or not you're getting better versus this. You're not because what happens is if you look at evaluations, when you pick someone, this is for the nerds out there, you pick someone, they have a real value, X, right? Mm. Whatever this magical, mystical value is. And so if you think X, and you pick a player and he's overvalued, it means you p- thought he's X2 and he's actually X. When he's undervalued, you thought he was X minus one and he's actually X. So he's a real value and then what you think his value is. So like Fred Van Vliet, Vliet, I should say with a V, wasn't drafted right his real value was far higher than everyone else everyone thought he was like x minus four but really he was like his x value was all-star yeah but everyone missed him what happens is people like these players come in and the minute they misappraise a player like johnny davis was actually far worse than they thought he was maybe they just like just like th- <laughs> throw they just yeah panic and you still have like 28 million dollars tied up with this guy you have more money tied up with him than what you've paid your performance staff in total in the past 10 years yep so like what well, think about think about kevin, think about kevin knox and the run that he had that raised his uh draft stock and then he got to the league and just everybody's like what is going on but you look at him i don't know he's six six nine or whatever wingspan is unreal stupid athletic and you're like you can't figure out how how to develop this guy he played at a high level at kentucky he literally just probably needs some shooting help and just like figure out a role but you can't and what has he been doing he's been sitting at the end of every single bench i don't even know if he's been in the g league he sits at the end of the bench and just travels with the team for like the last six, five, six years. And like, he just get, and I think he just got traded again, but it's like, why cannot, why can't people? And I, I know there's some players that whatever, just can't figure it out, but 
there's too many of that. There's too many of these people that just like ride the end of the bench and just go place to place and then fall off. And I, I think one kid or one guy that, uh, what is his name from, uh, Neesmith from the Celtics who yeah, just yeah. never got to play. And now he's on the Pacers and I don't know what they did or if they did actual development or if they just gave him more opportunities to play. And he's playing really well now and he's, he's getting way more minutes on the Pacers. And, and so probably that, would be valuable for the Celtics. Like if you put him back on the Celtics, I bet you they'd be like, yeah, we could use you now. Well, maybe, maybe like a player doesn't fit well, literally because of the offensive schematics. Sure. And that's where there's a technical tactical appraisal. So like you look at a guy and you're like, this guy is good. Or this guy isn't good in my system. So there's called a value extraction. So if you think about like the economics of basketball, you have this like real value of a player, which is this arbitrary number of how good they are. Hmm. But certain coaches will extract a higher percentage of that. So right. in the Celtics, like maybe only 50% of his real value is being extracted mm-hmm. versus with the Pacers. Now is a higher percent yield. Yep. So a hundred percent of it. So he looks really good. Now his value is way higher because people, he has not changed as a player. He just has right. a larger, larger extraction. So there's development, which is when like you work with a player and they develop new physical abilities and skills they didn't have before. That's value addition. And the coach's side is value extraction. So when you pick a player, you need to understand, like, is the coach going to extract the value out of them? And can my performance staff build a new value for them? Right. And so you can almost think about it like geometrically in terms of, let's say you have a, um, I was going to say a triangle, but let's, we'll do a triangle. And we have a triangle and certain corners of that triangle. Like if you take a triangle and you draw a line down the middle, you have two new triangles, right? So remember think of like a triangle. Yeah. Yep. Um, all three sides equilateral. Remember our old like third grade days mm-hmm. and you yep. draw a line right down the middle. Now you have two triangles. Now what happens is you can think of like one set of that triangle on the right half is being certain types of skills. And on the left is another types of skills. And maybe the coach is only good at extracting one side of that. Yeah. And so you can build up that triangle's side. So like a coach will really utilize a corner three. So of the total value a player has, maybe only a certain part of it can be extracted, but that part that's being extracted can also be developed. So you can increase the area of that side of the triangle. Sure. For you, for you nerds that like geometry, you can think about this like a, yeah. a, a geometrical means of developing a player. But I want to talk about that because I've been posting and people just get riled up. Yeah. Like, no, I think like, there's, I think there's a lot of cool stories out there too. Like one of them is obviously Bobby Portis and what he's meant, how important he is to the bucks and all the previous teams, which just never really had that. It, like you're saying that extraction from the coach. Now you look at him on the bucks um, and the, and other players too. Like you think about what if, you know, think about the Spurs. What if when Tony Parker got back in the league and he wasn't with Popovich and yeah. he didn't have a coach that like could pull that. Yeah. Could pull that out of him. Um, would he have been the same player, right? So I don't know. I some of my favorite coaches though are the ones that like get those role players and like pull the most out of them and find a spot for them. I think those are some of the better coaches. Obviously, the the fit matters, but yeah. So so back going back to the 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 topic, the I guess the two solutions are if you want your players to actually develop, you got to kind of change the way that you handle your players as far as when they travel, don't travel if they go to the G league, that structure. But also your, what you're saying is 
the more money you spend in an area, the more improvement you're probably going to see. So whether it's paying mm, the right money spent, because I, I think there's issues already. So I'll take a step back because I think the initial hypothesis I didn't mention, sure. I think the GMs are at fault. People won't okay. like me to say that because a GM, like you pick the guy. Like I shouldn't as a strength, imagine Shane, we work for an NBA team. Let's just pretend. Mm -hmm. And we get two new players walk through a door after draft day. Yeah. They say, hey, we're going to go through evaluations with you. Let's do it. That's already the problem. I didn't pick the player. So yeah. why am I then like, the GM who picked him has an idea of who this player is now and who he will become. My actions should not be to try and fit into this mold that I'm not aware of. The GM should tell me, directly this is what we need to look at and my evaluations for that player will be catered to that player yeah. i will maybe do a certain type of jump because he is a player who we think is gonna be a high activity rebounder for a guy who is a three and d or a guy who is a shooter or whatever it might be it'd be a very different analysis these blanket analyses and then building a program off of it makes no sense because everything we do at that point in time, because the professional level is to fit a specific role and it has to come from the GM. Because if mm -hmm. I am the main man who picked a player and that player doesn't develop, I need to know which one of my resources isn't as good as it should be. Sure. Is he not able to shoot a three as well as he should? Whose fault is that? Is it because he's not in shape? So that's my actually my strength conditioning fault. Or is it his skill development? And then internally, you can develop like intellectual property. And you're like, oh, like these drills are the ones that actually develop our guys really well. So now you start to churn through ideas like, oh, this drill and this method works really well. And you develop an organizational way of like developing players versus this like very weird, chaotic, oh, every couple of years and get a new strength coach or get someone else or mm -hmm. do this and do that. Unless the GM has sent you the plan, and that plan is pretty specific. I just don't buy it exists. I've spoken with professional people in that area. Yeah. And from what I've heard, this thing, this does not exist <laughs> as reflected by guys sitting on benches who don't, yeah. who trap. Like, if you really were all in on player development, would he really, would Kevin Knox really travel? Like, right. is that really the best option to get him better? And, right. if, I, oh, and you're going to spend how much money on him and you're just going to hope that he gets better. So the, going back to what you said, like the money spend, it's money spend in the right departments. I think right now we can look at the money spend and look at it as a reflection as to what NBA people value us. Yeah. And they don't. Well, you think about some of the best trainers in the world or skill people or strength conditioning people. And a lot of them, almost all of them, are doing their own thing and running their own business because it's just probably more lucrative that way. And there's other reasons, obviously the control and being able to work with whoever you want and all that stuff. But when a player gets into their off season, obviously they want to get out of that city, wherever they're living probably and go out to LA or some sort of destination place to live. But rarely are they working with their team at all in the off season. They're hiring separate trainers that probably have a better connection with them and probably can push them in different areas for whatever they are charging. 
Um, and some people are a little bit cheap. Some people aren't, whatever it is. Um, but you rarely are you going to see somebody want to stay in that city um, or even move away and be like, hey, can we get somebody from so-and-so organization to come work with us because we're out living in L.A.? You just don't, I don't see that very often. I, I've never heard of another player who has like a specific roadmap of things they need to do to get better and then given to someone else as like, here's my training stuff. Like, because ideally you'd seek out a trainer in the off season who would do stuff that the organization wants you to achieve faster, whatever it might right. be. Cause at the end of the day, that'll help you make more money. You get to play more too. Yeah. But as opposed to hear like, Oh, they just go see someone else. And then we try and have some continuity and hear what they did in the off season. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. If I'm paying that guy $20 million, I'm going to give him the most thorough plan possible. And if he doesn't fail it, if he doesn't do it, he fails to get better. That's on him, but it's right. not on the, 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 he acquired a bad money manager, essentially who picked the wrong stocks to develop, but he needs to know, like, we need these, mm-hmm. this portfolio of work to be done. Right. So what's the solution? Quick answer. A GM should hire someone like me to be an assistant GM who understands the science of human development, but also the economics yeah. of human development and can help voc- uh, put into words and work in a tandem effort to put together a player road mapping or a play- player value mapping where you have hypotheses of value, you have methods of training, and then you can run from a top-down position how that's going to be orchestrated. So, mm-hmm. and next time you pick a player, yeah, you might pick a player, but let's sit down sit down and put into objective words why we're picking that player and understanding what attributes, skills, and we think they possess and the economic value of it. And then from there, how we can make that person worth more money. Okay. That's my Question pitch. For- I want to be an assistant GM. I throw it out there all the time. Question for you then. Let's say an NBA team has approached you like I know they have. And they say, Max, we want you to run the strength and conditioning, the whatever they you want, they want you to run that department. Um, what is your answer now? No thanks. Why? Because I want to be an assistant GM. I don't want <laughs> to sit there and have to train half of the side of the coin. I don't think sure. weightlifting or train at that level, there isn't strength conditioning and there isn't player development. They're not different. They're the same thing. Yeah. Like you lift weights. If I'm not lifting, here's an example. If I'm a strength coach, I should know every skill, maybe just three or four, because not a thousand, there shouldn't be a thousand, there should be three or four that are limiting this player from making more money. And then I'm going to find ways to train things that supplement that skill development. Mm-hmm. That includes being healthy, by the way. Mm-hmm. There isn't like this arbitrary, I'm going to assess somebody and then I'm going to train them without any context to what they're actually trying to do because not everyone needs to get faster, stronger, quicker. Not every, some people don't even really need the weight room other than health maintenance. Some people really need the weight room. Deandre Jordan would really need the weight room. He's a high motor Mm. athletic, big. Yep. Pau Gasol, Mark Gasol, maybe a little less. Their dependence on the weight room is very different. And so to be a head of performance is just a mind-boggling headache, in my opinion, because it should start from the GM 
And then underneath it are not silos, but a unified effort. If my skills coaches don't talk to my strength coaches, I'm firing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like what's the, what are we doing here? Imagine having $25 million asset, a, a $25 million Ferrari in my car garage. And I don't. go to a mechanic <laughs> and he knows how to work on the engine, but he doesn't understand the tires. And so now I don't actually need any work on the engine. I need the tires to be fixed. Like when you go to a nice place, like a Ferrari dealership, one single, did you know this? One single engineer builds the entire engine. They don't have one person hand makes every engine. Really? And so it's like one coach or several coaches should be working with a select group of people to hand make them into the best they can be. And this is a $20 million person. Yeah. And I, I think they're going to win me a championship or play a role in that, which these teams are valued at billions of dollars. A single game, by the way, you like net revenue wise, like 1.2 million, I think from what I read last night. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I've always thought, the- I've always thought this, like, why wouldn't a team go after you go after PJF, go after guys like that, that have just proven tr- track rep- records of improving players and clearly know and understand the science behind stuff. Um, because look who become GMs. It's like former players. It's like you have to pay the dues as an assistant, and then you slowly work your way. No one just goes to be a GM, and they're not. It's going to take a team that's very innovative and really disruptive to want to do something like that. You can look at it in the. Tr- I, I told some other people about this. You can look at people's inefficiencies. We talked about the last podcast with Brendan of player development by the trade market. The Mavs had Jalen Brunson. <laughs> Yeah. They don't sign him. And then they trade assets to get Kyrie Irving. Kyrie. It's like, Silly. wait a second. You could have just had him. <laughs> a younger version. Jalen Brunson with the assets you traded away mm-hmm. for and Kyrie. You could have got somebody else and done whatever you wanted to do. It's just so like confusing to me. And that that is the the process that we're doing going through here because clearly someone misevaluated Jalen Brunson. Wow, yeah. Right. And so, but there's no punishment. It's just like now you've seen the trade deadline. People would rather just trade for second round picks because out of hopes of randomness that they get a good player, than like trade for a known player and develop them. Right. It's bizarre. Cause essentially in the NBA, there's probably six to seven teams that can win today. Maybe not even six. Maybe this year six. That can win a championship today. The rest are playing for the next six years. So if you're one of those other teams, why wouldn't you like OKC is doing it in their unique way? Houston Rockets sure aren't. Like so do you, do you do you think yeah facts? Do you think the G League at this point is just kind of a waste of time because oh, it's man. not pulling in a bunch of revenue and um, the basketball's bad and it's not. He- I think it's, it's it half the team's not has no chance. Half the team is just on the team to fill spots, like to like, I don't know. There, it's like clearly like you'll and there's people that play in the G League for like ten years, and the only story I've ever heard of is the Andre Ingram guy when the Lakers <laughs> were like <laughs> losing we don't pay him enough money. So at the end of the day, when you're paying guys thirty five k, you're literally just banking on them, hoping to get a ten day. That's like the prize at the end of the route of the road is a ten day or a team signs you but now teams are really open to signing people overseas and bringing them in the summer league. So it makes it tough. Mm. I think they should repurpose it 
my argument for the G League is because it's this weird realm of like half two-way guys, well, two two-way guys sometimes and non-two-way guys. I think they should try and draw from college in the sense that you should have like SEC G League teams. So you mm. have some sort of fervor to want to go watch the games. Cause it's really yeah. hard to play good basketball when not many people are there. And I, I don't care yeah. if I don't think the players are bad by stretch of imagination. I think the plays at times lack lacking energy. And I think yeah. the game's actually a little too long. I don't think it should be as long as it is. I think um having you don't need it at a certain point when you're scoring like 150 points, it's like kind of boring. Because like it's scoring 150 points on like 42% shooting. So it's not like teams yeah. like um I, I think they should actually expand the NBA roster. I think they should expand it to 18 players. Yeah. You have more two-way guys actually playing in the G League. And I think by doing that, you would have more competition um to actually ha- want to play and get um, because you're playing against other two-way people, but I think it's the pay. You gotta pay people more money. 35, 40 K when you're going overseas and making eight hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that it's not like am I gonna go overseas and make 80 or maybe like 75? It's like, am I gonna go overseas and make 500 k or am I gonna stay stateside and make 30? Right. Or 35, whatever it is. And I'm a G League fan. I like the idea of it. I like minor league baseball does well. Minor yeah. league baseball is able to captivate an audience. Because a lot of those guys are playing knowing they have a chance to make it. Right. The issue with the G League is not many guys make it. Like, and, Yes, not many make it. And like I said, there's people on the roster that you're like, dude, I've never even heard of your name. I don't even, you know, and they, they're just, and I've, I've known people that I'm like, yeah, he's probably going to go overseas. And he ends up on a G League team. I'm like, how did he get in a G League team? And then you realize like, yeah, it's not that difficult to get there. It's it's a weird situation. And I, I don't know the details of the G league itself. Like right. an Elam ending would be more fun. They should have a little more experiment with it. Um, They, they don't reassign players like MB, MLB will send guys to triple a like the NBA will assign someone to the G league team just so they can practice with them. They won't play. Yeah. Like the number of times I've seen NBA guys assigned to a G league team, but not play. Right, just coming back from like an injury or whatever. Yeah. Why I do they do that? Because you can have contact hours with them. Ah. I believe it's like a it's a semantics. Like if you're assigned yeah, to a yeah. G League, you're able to practice and you can just throw your G League players at the player to play. Right. Um yeah, it's it's a tough question. It's a question that the NBA hasn't figured out. Um, Summer League has a big buzz. So how come Summer League can do this, but the G League can't? Mm. Do you think they'd be better off turning kind of like the NFL has practice squads, turning some of those G League guys into practice squad players, using them for? I argue the G League should move. It should go to Canada or Europe. Hmm. I think U.S. is too saturated. Like we're like, what are we gonna? We're gonna watch college. You're fighting for college basketball. You're fighting NBA basketball. And during that same time is G League basketball. And summer league works because it's in the dead of sports. Yeah, like G League is going on during football, NBA. And college basketball. Put, a, put them in an area where, where the basketball is just already low. Like I think about the Miami Heat G League in Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls loves the Sioux Falls Sky Force. They go to a lot of those games. They're typically pretty full. Um, there's good energy and has good facility. And the Miami Heat love that they're in Sioux Falls because it's controlled. It's smaller. They probably stay out of trouble. 
So that's maybe not a bad idea to send them to more like Canada would be great because that might be a great attraction for a lot of Canadian basketball fans. Yeah, you don't need so many teams. I think there's too many teams. You got a lot of teams like nine guys on the roster. Shrink the teams. Yeah. Like back in the day, they used to have joint teams. They'd be like the yep. Warriors slash yep. Spurs team. Put yep. joint teams out there and let the guys compete because you have joint teams. You have less pay, people. Pay more people Better. money. Yep. You have more players and you probably would attract more people. Yeah, it's just tough to watch sometimes because I see I went to like a Wolves Iowa Wolves game and they have like Jordan Bohannon and like yeah, yeah. Luca Garza and like the only Garza, guys who go yeah. to those games is because like Garza's there. Iowa it's like fans, yeah. The amount of money Garza brings the Iowa Wolves is astounding. Yeah, no. It's like ninety percent of the place is just here for Luca Garza, and that's yeah. great for him. But like the other players, are they? I don't know. Yeah, what's the benefit? Yeah, it's just like what are we doing here? Well, you, well, think about the route. Like, let's say I wanted to become, let's say I want to get hired by a NBA team. My route as a skills trainer would to go be an unpaid intern for a, a yeah. NBA G League team for a year at least. Then maybe get brought on at a half salary, maybe, or get paid hourly. And do that for two to three years and then keep bumping up. And then potentially you get pulled up to the big team. And you're still not making enough. Like you could do a, you know, a handful of camps in the summertime as a skills trainer and make more money than your your salary, which yeah, is you tough. have to like quote unquote love it as much as you can. Yeah. And at a certain point, you're traveling so much, not making any money. It's like okay, like. Yep. Tough man. It's tough. So I was looking up like the per diem. I think the NBA per diem during uh, any road games. I think they make 150 dollars a day for food. Okay. And let's say we have three players traveling on a road trip. And let's say the road trip's 10 days. That's 10 nights in a hotel. That's 150 times 10, which is 1500 times three. So 1500 times three. I'm not great at math. That's 4,500. Mm-hmm. Let's say each hotel room is $500 because they stay like at nice hotels, like the Four Seasons and the Ritz Carlton. So 500 times 10 is a 5,000 times three. It's 15,000. So 15, it's basically 20 K on a 10 day road trip. 20 K. Yeah. You could pay someone to stay home and train those guys. Here's here. Shane, take 20 K 10 days work, train my guys. Boom. Done. I'm there. Yeah. It's like you could have like a, a local on call. We would be, we'd be locked. We would lock in for 20 K for sure. No, that's isn't that wild? You just do the math. So my question is like, why aren't they doing this? Is it because players don't feel? Is it like a player bar? I don't know. The players should want to do it and make the players more money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it drives me crazy. So that, I stirred up the hornet's nest on the, the old Twitter sphere with that it's one. It's a great topic, man. It is a great topic. It's uh, I don't know. It's tough to see. Even when I went to uh the summer league, I was so pumped to be there first time there. Then I'm looking around and people are DMing me and say, Hey, yo, are you in, are you in Vegas? Let's meet up. Nobody meet, nobody wanted to actually meet up. They just wanted to say, let's meet up. And then you kind of walk around the hotels and you're like, wow, this is gonna be cool. But it really, all it is, is just people patting each other on the back and it's kind of the name game. Oh, don't and like, don't who, get me started on some, I call who you it know. a carrot. It's something's and, a carrot. Yeah. And I'm the whole time I'm there, I'm just like, this sucks, man. Like, I love basketball and I love the skill stuff. I love just talking. Like that's why a big reason why I'm even doing this podcast is to get to communicate with you about this stuff. You go to those situations where you're with NBA coaches or NBA trainers 
It's not like that. It's just literally just a bunch of people kind of patting patting each other on the back in those in those environments. And and maybe that's the wrong place to go for those conversations. But I just uh, you know it was fun to watch Reed play and some other guys play. But outside of that, the summer league was just kind of like meh. Well, everything is so confrontational. People don't want to have like a hard conversation. Like do do strength coaches matter? I'm a performance coach. I got to ask myself that all the time. Do I actually help my players? <laughs> like, right. And no one wants to talk about that. And it's like this weird fear of like not getting fired. Maybe I'm not sure. Or like you almost fly too close to the sun and you kind of think you're a professional player because like you're yeah. around yeah. professional <laughs> players. <laughs> it's like, well, you're not a pro. Like you're not. I was checking in the other day to the gym and the guy at the gym follows me. He goes, Oh man, you're really cool. I said, I honestly am not very cool. The players I work with are pretty cool. Me? They're cool. I, I'm pretty boring. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> lame compared to them. Yeah. And that's a weird thing with NBA. And that's why the summer league gives you these weird, like, I'm not a big social guy. It mm. may be very uncomfortable because it's like, it's this parade. And I think summer league is very cool, by the way. It's fun. Fun to watch. But it's on this, there's this other weird taste of it. Like, it's in Vegas. You have all yeah. the celebrities and the stars there. You have a bunch of guys who aren't going to play in the NBA (laughs) playing. And it's like a fake NBA affair. It's almost like they're trying to like convince people to go to the G league. Like this is what it could be. It's like a big G league convention. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But what's weird though, because I watched the G league games when they played in the showcase and those games were a lot better. Those are actually a lot better games from what I watched the intensity, the effort, and so maybe they should do more of these like tournaments. Tournaments, yeah. And I think a tournament would be cool. Do four tournaments where you have them in a big city. People get to come in. All the mm. scouts get to show up and uh, put money on the line for the winner. The G League team won a mill or something. Yeah. You have enough you money. have some really cool, can... like, really cool performances too, or like breakout guys that way too. And that would be cool. I think, uh, and that would draw more single event. You should get betting involved. Nowadays, that's a really big thing. I think yeah. that's one thing uh, like NFL really went heavy on this year is betting. Yep, for sure. And like find ways to make it really engaging for yep. the teams, uh, for the teams, for the player, people to watch. Right. And I think you would find a better brand of basketball just because you're not playing in front of seven people on like a Thursday yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. And something that maybe is more convincing for players not just be like, yeah, I'm going overseas. Yeah. And what could be cool too is you could have, those events imagine you had every tournament was four games minimum four games that's 20 games you could get if you had five tournaments like each team could be reestablished. yeah like you could play but then you could like so every tournament you could have different guys on the team different squad yeah you could sign a new squad get a bunch of sponsors give them a base salary get a bunch of sponsors winning team gets a bunch of money has a bonus give them some more motivation to play hard yeah i think people like champions people like winners people like tournaments They could broadcast it and however they want. And you could do some oh fun Elam ending. Like the TBT people watch. Hey, we got Brendan, we got to send this clip to uh, whoever needs to hear this tournament directors of, of the NBA. It's <laughs> yeah. a golden idea right here. I think it'd be fun. I'd go. I would too. I would definitely watch that for sure. Yeah. And shorten the games, make them, find a way to make them competitive. So shorten them, make them 30 yeah. minutes yep. or get 48. You don't need 48 minutes. Final four, like eight. Yep. Yeah. Make it, uh, you know, get the fans involved, get, you know, tickets dirt cheap, make your money on just volume and concessions. Make it yep. free. Yep. Put it in a mall. 
That'd be cool. I've, <laughs> I've always thought that'd be a really cool idea is to host an AAU tournament in a mall. Oh my god, how much money people would spend? It's crazy. If I was a mall, if I owned a mall, that'd be a great idea. Any event I, like that, I any sport event. Uh, like a glassed off. I saw it once because here down in Iowa City, they have like a inside of their mall, they have an ice skating rink and people's like lessons on it and stuff right in the middle. I'm That's like, cool. You know how cool that'd be if that was like a pickup basketball court or like they hosted tournaments there. I mean, people would watch, would walk by and like stop and watch what's yep. going on. That'd be cool. I think that's my take it's kind of random take but uh, i like it no i think i think uh yeah it's a tough topic some people are just you know randomly just very passionate about that so <laughs> not surprised you stirred up some drama that is true well um thanks for listening everybody that's actually we're gonna wrap that one up there yep and that's a that's a good podcast we have i want to keep it tight and a little bow on it we'll have more podcasts coming out soon we appreciate you all listening as always thank you so much